This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You give me one shot here on a blue chip stock. Believe me, Kevin. The only problem I'm going to have is that you didn't buy more. Nobody knows if the stock is going to go up, down, sideways, or in circles. What's going on, NBA Draft fans? Your boys are back. The Wolves of Ball Street, your favorite draft analyst, favorite draft analyst. It's your boys from the NBA Draft Show on the No Ceilings NBA podcast feed. My name is Corey Tullivan, and I am here, as always, with my co-host, Albert. Garbage time again. Albert, what's cracking, dude? What is going on? It's, uh, God, Corey, it's January 30th, if you can Mm. believe it. It's unbelievable stuff. You got to get your expense reports in. You got to get your taxes done. The Knicks are the hottest team in the league. I've got a lot going on, but I'm excited to be here. We're talking about some guys that we're going to have some trouble pronouncing their names. Corey, I was listening to one of the games and uh, it was so clear that the uh, broadcaster was an American. Uh, he read uh, <laughs> Risa Share's name as Rye Sacker. Uh, which was freaking <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> Zach Zachary Rysacker sounds like some like beefed up lineman from Iowa. There, there it is. <laughs> there, there it is. Played with, um, I don't know. <laughs> uh, but uh, really excited to talk about these guys. We will try our best not to butcher their names. We won't be calling them Rysacker and Salaun. Uh, we're going to do our absolute best to have a lot of fun and talk about some really good players today. Yeah, it is going to be a fun episode. I feel like this is, you know, an episode uh, that's been boiling under the surface um, for us because I feel like, you know, um, the Tylers have talked about these guys a lot. Um, uh, if you've been listening to the the podcast and I feel like we really haven't mentioned them all that much. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to have this conversation on, you know, the French tandem of uh, Zachary Richiche and Tijan Salon. Uh, so perfect. So let's, let's just uh, get into it, man. Um, we're going to start with Salon. Um, Salon is from France. 
uh, forward. He is listed at 69211 if the math conversions from the team site is, were correct. Uh, I can't promise uh, the math is, is correct, but I believe 69211. Although, interestingly enough, uh, Gavoni has him listed at 611 in a recent Twitter post. Um, so, I, I mean, he does look gigantic out there. And if you put, uh, if you, you watch the game against Risha share, yeah. uh, he looked bigger than him. So right. I, it would make sense that, you know, he might be like six eleven. Uh, so he's going to be 18.86 years old on draft night, uh, currently averaging 22.9 minutes per game, nine and a half points per game, 3.2 rebounds, 0.8 assists to 1.3 turnovers, 1.2 steals, 0.2 blocks, shooting 43.6% from the floor, 37.8% from three on 3.9 attempts a game, 76.7% from the free throw line on 1.8 attempts per game. Uh, preseason stock price, ESPN had him at 16. No ceilings had him at 38. Bleacher Report had him at 31. Yahoo didn't have him ranked. The Athletic had him at 36. Tankathon had him at 23. That was an average price. 31 and a half. He was 24 on the draft DAC IPO. Currently, ESPN has him all the way up at six. Um, no ceilings had him at 18 in January. Bleacher Report has him at 28. Yahoo had him at 18. The Ringer, uh, on their recent big board that Kevin O'Connor released, had him at 18. Uh, the Athletic hasn't done an update, so the most recent update is at 34 and then tankathon has him at 14 average price of 19.4 he was 15th on the january draft ranking so albert uh with a current price of 19.4 and coming in at 15 on the current draft rankings i ask you is salon stock price too high too low or is it just right i think for me Corey, it sounds just about right um, and to be honest, if you were to ask me about almost almost any player and where their draft stock is right now, I'd probably say it's just about right. It's just one of those years, right? Like a, a lot of these guys are going to end up in different ranges all over the place right now. And where they end up going on draft night may be drastically different. So it, it's hard to say. Um, I, I think for me personally, I have him at 22 on my board and I feel pretty good about that about that at this point i i don't think i'm crazy low on him i don't think i'm crazy high um obviously we're going to get into the nitty-gritty of what his game actually looks like and why we have him where we do on our personal boards but if you told me right now that you know we're taking a consensus of a bunch of different boards and they have him at you know on an average score of about 15 that sounds about totally fair to me considering this class yeah me too um i think i have him at like 12 at the moment and i feel like that part of the board is kind of like yeah maybe yeah you know maybe not you know it, it's this uh in in this draft it, draft it's a range where like maybe you can grab somebody who has like a higher ceiling uh or you can grab you know grab somebody who has you know a higher floor it's just like yeah sure like whoever is in that range i get it um you know salon i mean he is so young and I mean, we, we talked about, it. he might be six eleven. Uh, he's a big dude who, who shoots threes and, you know, shows some stuff. I mean, there's certainly a lot of like, I, you can convince me that, you know, he becomes one of the best players in the draft. You can convince me that he completely busts out. I think that's the the fun of his evaluation. So 
Um, let's get into the game and where, I mean, I, we have to start with the shooting, right? Like, I think that's, that's the main appeal. So he's shooting 38%, um, for three on the year. So, uh, do you buy the shot and, uh, what do you like or not like about it? I, I definitely like the shot. Um, and it's something where Corey, you just said he's shooting about like 38%. I know that that's actually gone up from where it was before. So, um, definitely deserves some credit. I remember Ignacio writing a piece about him a couple months back. And at the time he was shooting like in the twenties, um, also like in the thirties overall from the field. So, uh, the efficiency is definitely going up and Corey, like when I look at whether it's his shooting or his game, uh, you know, as a whole, I just feel like it's that feeling where, Corey, we've all cooked pasta in our homes before. And, you know, sometimes you're we all want to be great chefs and we want to get our pasta to be al, al dente. Uh, we want it to be just right. Good. Cheese, Not an al dente that. guy. Oh, really? OK. Yeah. No. Um, a lot of people do, right? But like a, a lot of people do. Along the process, you're like trying out your noodles, trying to make sure that you're getting into a good place. Sometimes you'll take a strand of linguine and you'll bite into it three minutes early and you get something hard in the middle (laughs) and it's terrible. And that's how I feel about Salon right now. And I'm not saying that he's terrible, that absolutely not. What I'm trying to say is he's it. We're, we're, we're building towards something with Salon. He is not a finished product, Corey. We started off by saying that he is a very young player and that is absolutely true. And some of that youngness, you can see, in my opinion, Corey, you could see it in some of his movement. Uh, you could see it in some of his flexibility where I feel like it's going to get better. Um, and also just overall his game. And so where I'm at right now is I'm kind of like, I'm I'm being very careful with my evaluation with him today because I'm considering all that in, in terms of how young he is and how young he is even in his development. But Specifically with the shooting, I'm definitely a believer. I actually like the shot a lot. I think it's going to be pretty damn good, and it's going to be maybe his strongest skill set. I don't know. Obviously, once again, a lot still has to happen with him in his development. But I'm a believer in the shot, Uh, so that's kind of where I'm at right now. Yeah, and he's shooting it very confidently recently, um, getting those percentages up. and uh, Because I I think that was part of like the sell with him early is that he was this big dude who is kind of fluid, who could shoot. And then it's like, all right, but he's not shooting it that well. So like if he's not shooting it that well, then really what's the appeal? Cause he's not like one of these guys who has super high feel, you know, like we'll talk about the passing, but that section probably isn't going to take very long, <laughs> right. To talk about. Um, but now he's really starting to, you know, get the shots up at volume and he's making teams pay. So I, I mean, I think he's a very good spot up shooter. Yeah. You know, I, I think you see some of that youth that you talked about in like his footwork at sometimes mm-hmm. he's like a little fidgety, but even still, like when he hops into it or steps into it, like it looks good. He's got, I mean, if he's six, even if he's six, nine, right? Like he's big, he's tall, he's got a high release point. So like, it's hard to get like a super good contest, um, high arcing ball. So I, again, I'm, I'm with you. I think, the shot especially in in spot up situations and that's mostly what he's going to be doing you know early in his career right like either spotting up or you know maybe be used as uh, a screener um or a guy maybe you can run off like flares like not like super mm-hmm. complex movements yeah. you know like but like you know a little bit uh they run a lot of spain action with him popping to to get him open 
So I, I, the shooting is like the only skill where I'm like, this is something that I think is kind of bankable for him. Yeah. Uh, and it's an important skill, especially, you know, when you are 6'10", 6'11". So, uh, yeah, I, I think that that's the appeal. Like, if he's going to shoot 38%, if you told me, like, he's shooting 38% in the NBA, it's like, all right, no-brainer. He's a lotto guy. Yeah, yeah. He's a lotto guy and a guy who eventually makes a lot of money. Yeah. Um, is what it would be because who knows if he's even done growing right Corey which I think is an important thing to talk about and then yeah he's also very right he's very young and also things where things get interesting for me with Salon is and I don't think this is a big part of his game right now and Corey you mentioned it already it probably won't be a big part of his game early on however uh he's fluid um you mentioned it before but it's something that it actually is a big part of who he is and he, he actually has a pretty good handle for a guy his size too, right? So then you start to get frisky. You start to get excited, right? Because you say, okay, 6'10", 6'11", who knows? Maybe even gets to seven foot. A guy with that type of size, with that type of jump shot. Okay, he's a fluid athlete. He's growing into his body. He's not as awkward anymore. Oh, oh, he can handle the ball too. Then you start dreaming, okay, what do we have on our hands here? right what type of offensive player could he become and so i would never Corey venture to get that far ahead and be like yeah what are we talking about kevin durant never that's not me right but <laughs> um you can see why nba teams durant didn't play in the 90s um, <laughs> that too. but you can see why nba front offices could get excited about a guy like salon because of the outside shooting that we've talked about already and then some of these guard skills that he has where you start to go okay if he puts all this together uh we're going to be talking we're going to be having a different type of conversation all right so i want to touch on a few points that you mentioned um can you talk about the fluidity because when i my notes i wrote um, he's a stiff but mm -hmm. fluid mover who yeah. needs to do some yoga. Corey Obi Toppin. <laughs> yeah, a little, a little yeah. Obi for sure. Right. Um, like he just looks like he looks like he's got like training wheels on. Yep. And he needs to just like take a fall and realize it's not that bad, and then like so he can fully get up and and get into him you know he's got like he's like a baby draft or something at times where it's just like it's a little awkward but like also he's super fluid oddly and like he could chase somebody like on defensively around a screen um so he's he's super weird in that regard and a lot of it probably does have to do with his youth and the fact that he is as tall as he is and like you said might maybe he's still growing um i'm not in love with this handle mm -hmm. he does I think have, I think he's shown more willingness and, you know, maybe it's partly due to role to like be a self creator than Risha Shea has. Mm -hmm. uh, and he has like, he does have a move that he can go to. That's kind of like his go-to move, which is like uh, a couple of dribbles into like that little uh, sidestep to the right. Yeah. Um, but I think with him, he's at his best when he keeps everything simple. Mm-hmm. When he's not trying to like show off a bag and it's just like one, two dribbles into a shot, uh, one, two to get into a spot. That's when I think he's really at his best. Like, and right now, like some of the uh, flashes, like attacking a straight line, you know, like I think because he is so big, like he's it's one or two dribbles and he's already at the rim. Um, 
And then like even like he's got a little bit of mid post stuff, like nothing great still being worked out and workshopped. But, you know, he's he's pretty big and you can get like a little mid post fade or like a face up and, you know, one dribble and shoot over because he's so tall. For me, it's like keep it as simple as you can, because like when things start getting feeling a little dangerous, <laughs> the the more creative he decides he wants to be. And it's core the the fact that we're juxtaposing these two guys together while having this conversation, I think, is also interesting because I kind of feel the same way for both guys. I kind of like the simplified roles for both dudes. Um, Salon, though, core the point that you made is exactly what I've been feeling. He's um and I wrote it in my notes, he just reminds me so much of Obi Toppin, where there's a, I mean, clearly there's an athleticism to him and a fluidity to him, but also like, you know, his, like, what's wrong with the hips? You know, what's wrong with, you know, the flexibility? Like, he's like, doesn't really get low in his stance. You know, there's just something about him that's very stiff to me. Um, but it's weird because it's combined with this fluidity that doesn't really make sense. Right. Yeah. So, um, I'm right there with you with salon. Um, I just mentioned it because I, you know, NBA teams might dream, you know, he's, I I mean, with somebody who's as raw as him, he's shown like these flashes and it's like, if you're going to take him that high, you're like, all right, like, well, maybe we can get him to do this more consistently. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure, but I'm also not, not sure. You wouldn't put a hundred dollar bet on it, but maybe twenty five bucks. Yeah, you know, like, um, I mean, look, I think, irregardless, he is. If he comes over, like, if he were to come over next year, like, he is spending the whole year in the G League. Yeah, yeah, you know, which is the norm now. Absolutely, a hundred percent. Like, lottery picks spend time in the G League, um, and it's totally fine. So, it's probably a really good environment for him to workshop a lot of that stuff because. Mm -hmm you know the g league is a type of thing where it's like yeah like teams are trying to win but it's also like teams are trying to get their prospects to develop in a way that's going to help the real team um so he's a guy that if you believe in the self-creation and like the handle and the flashes of of that at his height you're going to be patient with it Mm -hmm. because it's, it's definitely not happening overnight he doesn't have that 611 Kevin Durant bag that was ready to come in and he could play shooting guard in Seattle his rookie year, right? Like this, he's like Salon is to me, he is like a as pure a like a four, I don't know, Mm -hmm. like a forward. Like, I, I, there's not like a a whole lot of like versatility in, in what he could do just based on where he's at right now. Um, but it's, it's interesting. The, the flashes are certainly interesting. Yeah. What do you think about his finishing? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply once again right i think it's it's interesting straight line stuff fine 
how'd you feel about his touch, Corey? Because I thought exactly that's my thing. Like it's straight line going in for a dunk. Sure. No problem. Right. Once he tries like a floater or something in between, not so good. Right. And I think, Corey, that also speaks to why he was shooting like 30 something percent from the field overall earlier in the season. Like it's uh, not the greatest. And like, look at even that drive, Corey, that would just playing like there's no plan to that drive. That's just (laughs) let me run middle and then figure something out midair, which is not always effective in the NBA, just the NBA being the highest level of basketball on the planet. Like you can't just do that, you know? And I think even that one, that's not the prettiest take. And so with him, it's weird. Like there's a fluidity athleticism to him, but also sometimes it looks like an absolute train wreck. So, uh, which was, which why also Corey for me, like when I, I moved him like all over my board, kind of up, down, all over the place. I think right now he's at his highest he's ever been on my board. And I think part of it is because of all that we're talking about. It's it's so hard. And I wrote about it in my piece. It's coming out this Thursday too. like evaluating NBA wing prospects is so crazy hard when you're trying to juggle the theoretical with the actual, you know, and like being like future minded and like trying to cast a vision for a player while also being realistic about what they can do and can't do is such a hard thing. And I think salon is a really interesting guy because some NBA teams are going to look at him as like a four or five and who knows some other NBA teams might be like, all right, maybe we can turn this guy into an absolute wing. And I think, you know, all of that is going to be really interesting. I personally wouldn't, um, if I were, if I was drafting salon in the lottery, I'd be like, Hey man, we want you to be a shooting four. Um, is kind of how I would look at things and try to develop him that way, considering his size and all that. But it, it gets tricky with guys like this because of what you think they can be versus what they can actually do. Yeah, he like around the rim and when he's driving, it it seems like the type of guy who's like, hey, man, I have this really fast car and I want you to ride it with me and we're going to put the pedal to the metal. But also, I'm not going to turn the lights on. Hmm. And the road's going to be pitch black. And let's just see what happens. Like, it might be awesome. <laughs> it could be really exhilarating. Hmm. And, like, it just seems like there's no plan sometimes. Like like you mentioned, he gets up in the air, and it's just like, sometimes it looks brilliant because he can contort his body and, like, finish through the contact. And then most of the time, it is just, like, super wild um, when he like is around people near the rim and he's not just like, you know, getting an open lane mm-hmm. off of a closeout or a cut or in transition. Um, you know, he's six eleven, and in the half court, he's finishing 46% of his attempts at the rim. Like not, not good, mm-hmm. not good. Um, 55% overall. So, you know, like this is something that like people killed Brandon Miller for. Right. But like, there was a whole different level of like fluidity and like ability to get to the rim in like a controlled way that you can buy into. Like to me, if he's not like just dunking it or laying it in off a cut or or whatever, like if it's any of the self-created stuff, I'm like terrified of what is going to happen. And that's, I think the thing that's really, cause like the shot, it's great. And maybe he just becomes a guy who all he does is shoot threes. Hmm. Um, but at 611, you know, you want a little bit more than that. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I'm a little terrified. It would be unfortunate if he became French Steve Novak 
is what you're trying to say. And uh, I'm right there with you, Corey. Like, I think just because of, you know, the size, length, frame combo and what we think he could be when he's, you know, fully developed and grown into, like, yeah, it would be an absolute nightmare if all he did was shoot threes or maybe not a nightmare, but like, it's not the best, right? Like, what are we yeah. talking about? Like a jacked Davis Bertans? It's like, that's not what you want, you know, out of your lottery pick. So I'm right there with you. But you... Uh, like you said before, Corey, that's what the G League is for. I think yeah. the type of stuff that we're talking, like that drive is a mess. Like, and I don't know who's going to watch that and be like, ooh, I want more of that. Like, that's, yeah, that's actually really terrible. And he just went in. So people are going to think things. I don't know. But uh, other than right there where he's going in a straight line to the basket, everything else is pretty terrifying. So I'm right there with you, man. It's a big area of growth for him. It is it is a big area of growth. And look, he's grown throughout the year, so maybe that right continues, right? And and all of a sudden things slow down and the finishing looks a little bit better by the end of the year. I hope so. Um the passing, again, a, more of the same, like with the finishing where it's like a lot of stuff that feels like there's no plan. Mm-hmm. You know, he'll leave his feet and make like a jump pass, but not in like an awesome Tyrese Halliburton kind of way. Uh, or a Derek, awesome like Derrick Rose kind of way in a, a, a terrifying like, oh my God, where is this pass going to end up kind of way. Um, negative assist to turnover ratio, you know. Uh, so uh, he's, but at the same time, he's best as a play finisher instead of a play creator. And, you know, when we get to our, uh, you know, our player comp portion uh, of this breakdown, I, you know, I think that we can find, you know, those roles, maybe like there are roles that could be effective for him, even if he isn't making plays consistently. Mm -hmm. Um, So I don't really have much good to say. Like, obviously there are a few flashes where you're like, Oh, that was a cool hit to the weak side wing or whatever. But like so few and far between that it's like it, it's not even a flash. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Corey, I, I, it's hilarious because I literally wrote that in my notes too. Few and far in between. It's just, yeah. it's really not there. The negative assist to turnover ratio, it, it kind of speaks to what it really is and tells kind of the full story. It's a lot of it, as you said, not much of a plan. No real vision either. I mean, once again, nowadays, Corey, hitting the weak side feels less and less valuable because it feels like everyone just knows how to do it, even if you're not a passer. And um and it's funny, I had a really interesting conversation with a lot of people yesterday, just kind of picking people's brains on what it means to have feel for the game. I asked you, I asked a bunch of other people. And like something that was brought up is like there are people who can pass the ball and people who can pass the ball. Um, and, you know, an example that, you know, somebody brought up to me was like, there's a reason why, you know, Halliburton is always going to be a much better passer than LaMelo Ball. Right. Where he believed that LaMelo Ball is more of an assist guy where Halliburton is someone who can really s- set things up and see things and make advanced reads. Right. And I think with Salon, I don't even know if we can say that he has like connective connective tissue. It's like so raw and so rough right now that I it's almost like a like if we were giving him a grade, it's just like a N.A. right now. And it wouldn't even be like a letter grade. Yeah, uh, I I agree. It's and but he might not need to. And as Mr. Ray in the comments says, Salon at 6'10, 6'11 as a play finisher yeah. is still a valuable piece. Of course. If the shooting is real. And and I agree. And you know, you you go back to like you mentioned Obi Toppin. Like um, I actually think Obi can pass a little bit, but like yes. that's not what he is known for, right? It's like he's either gonna shoot a three or he's gonna like dunk an alley oop. And 
you know, he's on a, a good team now and like contributing and, you know, he's played on good teams. Um, even if, you know, he's playing behind players that are better than him, he's still a, an NBA player at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about the defense now? What were your impressions? Okay. So defensively, I thought there was a little bit of an over-reliance on his length and, and, and his hands where I felt like as an on-ball defender at times he got a little like reliant with using his length and poking at balls and kind of not getting himself in good position uh, was how I felt at times. But the length is real with him. Like he's a really long, big dude that is going to affect a lot of shots. Um, But at the same time, not like he had a ton of blocks either. Um, So it's going to be interesting to see how that continues to develop. But in terms of like the raw tools with him, obviously it's going to be something where NBA teams are going to want to invest in him as a defender and try to develop him into some sort of defender, uh, whether it's interior or perimeter. But um, I I just feel like even his defense is another incomplete grade for me, just because a lot of it is uh, not so good right now. And even off ball, I thought at times like, like a lot of young players, I thought the concentration kind of came in and out and even like ingre- aggression, intensity and stuff. But um, as you're playing some clips of him, you know, playing the passing lanes and stuff, that stuff, it can be nice. Absolutely. But uh, I think there needs a lot. He, he needs a lot more refinement before we can say that, like, he's going to be like a rocks, rock solid defender, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I think he plays pretty hard on both ends. Like, I, I do think he like he gives a shit. Yeah. And he wants to uh, be somebody who is impacting both sides of the ball. Like he's just turned 18. So like playing in a pro league, like to be expected to be some perfect defender is just not realistic. I do think that his positioning is, is pretty okay. Like I I think he's usually in the right spots. Um, But I also like he's 6'10", 6'11". He, part of the the reason that he's like a pure four is like, he just cannot protect the rim Mm -hmm. and he doesn't know how to use his athletic tools in a way that he can do it. Now I I think what he's good at is just like getting really tall and and using that standing reach. But like for somebody who is like fluid and whatever at six ten six eleven, he's not like very athletic. Mm. Like I, I don't think he's like particularly quick and I don't think he has like, particularly good bounce either Mm -hmm. so like he doesn't have that ability to like explode you know as the low man and just like get vertical and really like force somebody to second think um their their shot at the rim he's just kind of like there and he's ground bound and he's like hoping that the fact that he's a big dude who's like kind of long is enough and like the fact that he's so skinny like a lot of times it's not like even on the ball big wings will go through his chest Mm -hmm. um but I, I think that that's stuff that like, he's just going to get better at that because he's going to get stronger and older and like more physical at some point. Um, I wish he was like a little more disruptive either way. Um, and, and able to use those tools in his size, but again, he's young, so he, he's got to figure this stuff out. But I, I think the, the main thing that gets you on the floor in the NBA is going to be defense. Like you got to be able to defend just as much as you can shoot. Cause like everybody could shoot at a baseline level. It feels like now in the NBA, mm. at least like open shots. So like you have, and 38% from three is like probably below average. <laughs> yeah. We're getting there. <laughs> you know, like it, it, so 
the higher the bar is to like be like, oh, this guy's a real shooter, the more you have to be able to do the other stuff. Um, so like I it's gonna be a while before he's able to, you know, participate on an NBA floor just because defensively I think he has a lot to learn. But again, he tries hard and if he's willing to work at it. And again, I think his positioning is usually pretty good. There's certainly potential there. And if he becomes a guy who can even defend at an average level at his height as a play finisher, yeah. Worth it. Yeah. Corey, I think everything that we're saying is, I think an NBA team taking him in the lottery, first round, whatever, they're going to kind of look at him as like a Bruno Cabocla type of thing, two years away from being two years away. And that's okay, right? Because once again, he's that young. And there is a foundation there with his body and his shooting ability and some of the fluidity stuff and ball handling stuff where you are willing to give this type of guy that type of leeway right? Where you're going to be like, Hey, take your two, three years to develop. We're willing to give you that because we want to see you develop, uh, whether that's in the G league or even with the, you know, with, with the NBA team in limited minutes and maybe your second, third year. So I I think with him, it's, there's so much to him that's intriguing that a team is going to buy in and the team is going to give him that runway to develop. So it'll be interesting to watch, but yeah, I think you and I are on the same page in terms of I think both ends of the floor, like there's still a lot of work to be done for him to be ready to really contribute to an NBA team. So if you were buying stock in salon, who may you have bought stock in previously? Um, yeah, I mean, I already mentioned it, but I'd like a, like a, you know, we got OB top and when he was older coming into the NBA, right. But maybe what, maybe this is what OB top and looked like when he was 18. Right. Maybe. But obviously, like you mentioned, I think Obi definitely was a better passer and had more of a post up game in college and things like that. But just, you know, when I look at how he moves and the shooting ability and uh, I actually Obi's a better athlete, too. But just overall, like I, I thought that was the closest I could get in terms of an NBA comp just because of it, it, just so many similarities with how they moved, I thought. Um, but yeah, definitely a big gap in terms of athleticism as, you know, Obi is a freak athlete. Um, but yeah, just like the stiffness and that type of stuff really reminded me of Obi, at least, uh, aesthetically. So, uh, that's who I'll go with. So I, I, I think there is a, a large spectrum of outcomes yeah. for a salon. And I think the high end dream, if you're like, you know, a, a, in the war room trying to make the decision in the early lottery. And you're like, saloons are our salons, our guy. It's like, why can't he be Michael Porter jr? Another six foot 11 stiff dude had back surgeries. So, mm-hmm. um, who's just absolutely massive and can like knock down tough shots and like, he can create shots for himself. Um, but he's not really relied on to do it too often. And like, if you pair him with like an elite, playmaker who's going to find him in all of his spots like why can't he contribute in a similar fashion right now michael porter jr is an elite elite shooter so the shot has to work because michael porter jr who sure shoots 33 percent is not going to be on a court very long and that's where like salon can also be kevin knox (laughs) so (laughs) It's it's a scary proposition um, because as much potential as you might have, like there are also the floor outcomes that are probably much more likely than whatever, you know, glass half full outcome we see because of how talented the league is. So 
those were kind of the two guys who were like these big multi tool dudes who have some skill. Um, one was in a great situation. The other liked Fortnite a lot, um, but playing better, <laughs> playing better. He's still getting contracts, right? He's still getting shots in the league because he is a big wing who has some skill. And uh, you know, it, it's not going to surprise me if he's still in the league five years from now. Right. Like in on playing like on some playoff team and, and contributing in a real way. So I salon's the type of guy that like, it's probably not going to happen on his first team. Mm. and you know maybe that weighs into the decision of like how high you actually draft him i actually think it's crazy that you brought up kevin knox Corey, just because i actually wrote a little bit about kevin knox in my piece coming up on Keyshawn george uh Keyshawn george um just because with knox it was such a thing with him right where he was six a crazy long um pretty good athlete People thought he was going to be able to shoot it. But if you go back and watch him, like he had like almost no feel, you know, he was just kind of a guy and he was like so plotting on the defensive side, really couldn't move his feet at all. And there are so many theoreticals with a guy like Kevin Knox, right? Like if he can be a more consistent shooter, if he can tighten up the handle, if he can learn to, you know, play within a system, play within the flow of an, of an offense, blah, blah, blah. There's so many ifs, right? With yeah. Kevin Knox and, it's it's interesting that you bring him up here because with Salon, we kind of spent the last, what was it, like 20, 30 minutes um, talking about a lot of ifs with him as well. And so I think it's it's a really intriguing name. Um, and as you mentioned, Kevin Knox is somehow still in the league and he may continue to be in the league just because of all the things that we talked about. But like a Kevin Knox, there are a lot of ifs and question marks. All right. So it's the return. I need you to sell me this pen on Tijan Salon. God. So if you're interested in Kevin Knox, <laughs> just kidding. Okay. So with Salon, the sell with him is not that difficult, especially in a year like 2024 with the draft class that we have. Uh, you have a 6'10, 6'11 guy who uh, can really shoot the ball and he's improved as a shooter already just within this season. Um, a guy that you're, you're going to buy into his outside shot. You're going to buy into the fluidity and some of the awkwardness with his movement going away as he continues to grow into his body. You're going to believe in the ball handling, getting better and him potentially being a pretty dynamic, pretty interesting offensive four on your team, uh, a guy that you can develop that could play next to a one, a one B two star um, and really contribute in a big way with his shooting and his versatility on that side of the ball. And then on the defensive side, you're betting on the length, you're betting on the frame, you're betting on his uh, competitive spirit and his like competitive level and him becoming a solid defender one day. But um, you know, he's a guy that you're really going to have to invest in a lot of coaching, a lot of refinement has to come, but if it happens, he could become a really effective uh, two-way four for you one day. Yeah, I, uh, I I agree. I mean, he's that's that's got to be the sell, right? Um, all right, let's um, head on over to our next prospect, which is again, like you mentioned, like an interesting juxtaposition uh, between. Richiche and and Salon in in the fact that they are both you know these big long French wings who have like fairly similar skill sets um 
now obviously like coming into the year, you and I were a little bit more familiar uh, with Ricochet having seen him at the Nike hoop summit drink. Uh, so uh, Zachary Ricochet plays for JL Borg. He is uh, a swing wing. I think he's got a little bit more positional flexibility than, than Salon did. Uh, he is listed on the team site at six, eight, two Oh five. Now I want to say like um, with Ricochet, I remember on the game day when we were on the court yeah. and I don't know what it was about the, the Blazers court, but I was mm-hmm. like, why does every prospect look two inches taller here? Like, yeah, Aiden Holloway looks like he's six four today. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but he looked absolutely massive. Where I was like, is this dude six ten, six eleven? And uh, so big dude, big wing. Uh, he'll be nineteen years old on draft night. Twenty two point nine minutes per game, eleven point seven points per game, three point six rebounds, one point one assists, one point five turnovers, one steal, point four blocks, shooting fifty three point one percent from the floor, forty eight point. 2% from three on three and a half attempts a game, 71.3% from the line on three free throw attempts per game. True shooting percentage, 65.6. Uh, preseason stock price, ESPN had him at three. No ceilings had him at 12. Bleacher Report had him at five. Yahoo had him at six. The Athletic had him at 17. Tankathon had him at seven for an average price of 8.3. He came in at eighth on the draft act IPO. Currently, ESPN has him at two. No ceilings had him at six in January. Bleacher Report had him at six. Yahoo at three. The Ringer at three. The Athletic had him at four. Tankathon had him at three. Average price of 3.85. He is third on the January draft ranking. So, is Rishishe stock price too high, too low, or is it just right? Give me just right. I I could see it. Um, and it's not too far from where I have him. I have him at five right now. So um, for him to be at three and for me to say that's too high is stupid, right? And once again, this is that draft where anyone can go anywhere and it's not crazy. So for me, Corey, three feels okay. I'm okay with it. I am also okay with it uh i believe i have him at five as well but uh i do think that you know he's a guy that i can can see continue to you know climb my board um because of the fact that he is a a two-way guy that i can actually believe in um now considering we just did the exercise with salon if you had ten dollars to invest in Rishishe, Salon, and Mattis Buzelis, how would you spend your ten dollars? Damn. Okay, I'll do. Uh, whew, this is actually tough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'll go Rishishe five, Buzelis three, Salon two. Yeah, I think I'm gonna go similar. Four fifty for Risha Share. Three fifty for Buzelis. And two. two for Salon. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it's interesting that there are a number of these kinds of wings that are all kind of in the same ballpark and range and i think could any one of them can go ahead of the other given the preference by a particular front office Mm -hmm. um 
so, you know, while this draft is weird and whatever, like maybe it has a little bit of uh, depth at like this big wing position. Hmm. Hmm. It's just, it's interesting. And it's funny that you brought up those three guys just because there isn't, and I think that kind of reflected in how we kind of divvied up the $10, but there isn't a huge gulf in between the three guys. Um, I know I have Solana at 22 and then Risa share at five, but even between five and 22, I don't think there's a huge, huge gap between those two guys. And once again, I think that speaks to this class and how bunched up everyone seems to be. But what, how are you viewing these three guys, right? You're seeing them as like bigger wings who can shoot the ball, who might be able to give you a little extra here and there. Um, and as you mentioned, and we'll get to it later, but I think Risa share for me, gets the biggest chunk of the $10 because I'm, I believe in his defense more than the other two guys, right. Yeah. Is how, I, where I'm at right now. So um, it, it's interesting though, because there are those three guys and there are other wings too, I think in this class that are going to be kind of similar and will be viewed similarly in terms of what their roles would be uh, in the NBA as well. So a really interesting thought exercise. So uh, first off, I want to say shout out to everybody watching live in the chat. Uh, you know, if you have not subscribed yet, make sure that you hit that subscribe button, smash the like button, all that good stuff. Uh, now going into the comments, uh, Gregory Castillo says, six nine shooter, don't overthink it like Trey Murphy. And I think that's going to be an interesting way to get into our conversation about his shooting. Because he has been absolutely on fire right this year like he is straight up sniper type percentages um from three i mean on the year he's shooting 48 percent from three right like crazy stuff where i get a little bit of hesitancy to be like i completely buy into his shooting is one an entire week of watching him at the hoop summit practices like that wouldn't have been what i was like yeah He's a, a great shooter. Like it's, that's not something that I would have said about him, right? He's also shooting 70% from the free throw line. Like, and we're gonna like Trey Murphy shot 93% from the free throw line his last year of college. Like Trey Murphy was a legit shooter. And even the year before, on you know, because it wasn't that much volume, um, Trey Murphy had shot like 83% or whatever. So like, this is a dude who you knew was an elite, elite shooter where with Risha Shea, I'm almost like, I, I got to see him go through like a cold spell. I got to see what happens when his confidence wavers because, you know, like when his confidence wavers, he has been like pretty unproductive at times. And like, I, I buy the shooting, but I don't like, I'm not willing to, you know, pay a premium price for the shooting. Like, I, I just think it's like, he's a good shooter. I don't think he's a 48% three point shooter. Um, if he is great, <laughs> you know, but I'm, I, I, I'm a little bit hesitant to like completely buy into it where it's like, he's one of the most elite shooters in this class. Cause I just, I, I think it might just be an outlier shooting year right now. Um, and, you know, maybe he comes in and plays a similar role and he's just like mostly a spot up guy and it's it's awesome. But some of the the 
touch stuff in other areas. Like, you know, when he curls uh, a screen and shoots in the mid range, like I think his touch is a little awkward. Um, I, I just, I, the free throw op percentage, obviously like being in the low seventies for somebody who you would think is an elite shooter. Cause he's shooting 48% from three. I just, I'm just saying I have, I have some questions, some. Albert, I think you're muted. Whoops. Sorry. Um, I, I get it. And I think part of it, as you were talking about it, I thought of like Grayson Allen, who is uh, currently shooting just under 50% from three on the season and having an unbelievable season shooting from that side. But even for Grayson Allen, like it's not a crazy anomaly just because he's playing with the Suns and he plays off of Kevin Durant and Brantley Beal and Devin Booker and, you know, the quality of shots that he's getting is great. And he's always been about a 40% shooter. Um, But he's always been 40% and this year he's at 50. So it is a pretty huge jump and it's been great for him, but also he's always been like 86%, 90% from the free throw line. So with Risa share, Corey, I understand your reservations. I think you and I have always said like, Hey, if you believe in a shooter being an elite shooter, look at their free free throw shooting percentage. Like that's actually like a really important number for us. And so, I mean, even if we compare it to a guy like Reed Shepard, who is, you know, his numbers are, mind-blowing stuff so i'm with you Corey. it's just i had a different experience with him at hoop summit because as we've mentioned i came like a day or two after you guys so i got to see Risa share practice only twice and then play in the game or i don't remember if you played in the game but um in the practices that i saw I also didn't walk away from those practices thinking like, oh, this guy's a dead-eye shooter, but I did like him. There was something about his game that I thought was interesting, and there was one scrimmage where I think he scored like two or three buckets in a row, and I was like, oh, I like this guy. But um, I, like you, Corey, did not leave Portland thinking, uh, oh, that guy's going to go back to France and shoot the cover off the ball this season. Uh, was kind of just not in my notes at all. But from what I've seen, I like it. Um, he's doing it off of movement. He's doing some of it off the dribble. A lot of it, obviously, is catch and shoot. But so far, it's been good. Um, and let's just hope that, you know, he needed. And also, you know, he had a really tough summer, um, you know, where he didn't play well. And maybe he needed that to kind of get him going and to kind of find his rhythm and where he's at right now. But as you mentioned, Corey, I think we, we're going to have to continue to monitor this throughout the season to see what it looks like over the course of a full season in Europe. Yeah, and to be fair, like I think he's a good shooter. Like, yeah, there's nothing super rough about his form. Like his form's pretty good. Um, there are some about things. Yeah, exactly. I look if if I thought he if I was like he is going to be a forty percent three point shooter in the league, no doubt about it in my mind. Like if the Pistons get the number one pick, like he makes the most sense. Yeah. Like at least you know because I, I do think that you should be taking fit into account a little bit in that godforsaken situation. I put Kevin Knox. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, look, I I think that he's been good. Like you know, we just saw in that clip, like he comes off movement and he's like pretty confident, like with a quick trigger to let it fly. Um, not a whole lot of like self creation, nope. but he doesn't need that. Like yeah. spot up, repeatable. Um, and you know, he's, he's got a pretty versatile shooting profile 
because of it. You know, he can put that the ball on the floor and take a dribble or two. You know, he's got a little bit of a you know a step back, like not much, but he can do it and just to like get his balance. So I I buy the shooting. I'm just saying like I don't know if it's like a lock, a lock, a lock. It wouldn't shoot it wouldn't and we had this conversation with Ignacio um when we were doing our mock drafts, mm. our last mock drafts, where it's like you know, it, it's just not a, he doesn't have a long history of being an elite shooter. So there's reason to be a little bit skeptical, but it's going in. And like, at a certain point, if it keeps going in and it looks good, like, you know, you gotta, you gotta buy it a little bit. So. No, I, I, the, the concern is, is this more of a flash than what we should expect? Um, which I get, Corey. Um, you know, I, I remember back in the 90s, there was like a season where, and well, not just to see, but he, he, even this comp isn't fair. Cause like I was thinking about like Antoine Walker, right, with the Celtics, where he was a guy who's, you know, playing the four for them, taking a lot of threes for that. I mean, there's one season he was, I'm looking at it right now, All Star season, he took eight threes per game, right? And, you know, a guy that, eventually had weird issues with uh, free throw shooting later on, which um, I don't know, maybe that's research. I don't know, but Corey, I, I get what you're saying. Um, when we're talking about him being an elite, elite shooter, uh, we just need to see more of it. Uh, we need to see a longer sample size for us to kind of get there. And I think a 70% free throw shooter is that, that is a red flag. It, it should be like, Julius Randle shoots better than that at the free throw line, right? So, uh, and no one is ever considering Julius Randle as an elite shooter. So, I, I think it's something we have. We just have to continue to monitor. But let's say Corey, like it, we get to the end of the season and he's still shooting the three like that, and he can bump up his free throw shooting to I don't know high seventies by that point. Maybe we'll feel a little different, right? But even still, I think. You, it, you, you're going to have some question marks about whether or not he'll be able to shoot it to that level at the NBA as well. Yeah, and look, he's still very young. He's 18. It's not yeah. like he's, you know, some, uh, you know, senior in college and he's had no history of shooting it well and all of a sudden he's shooting it well this year. Like he's a young player who's putting in work and has gotten better and this just could be the trajectory that he's on and maybe you just don't overthink it because he cleaned up this one area of his game and, yeah. you know, the free throws could be next, right? Um, but you know, at the end of the day, he is shooting at a good percentage at six foot nine and, you know, like he's the, he's valuable if he's knocking down shots like this. And there's no reason to believe that he's not going to at least be an adequate shooter at the next level. And I feel a lot more confident in some of his ancillary skills than I do, you know, in salons. So, um, you know, like I feel a lot more confident in him using that shooting gravity mm -hmm. to attack in a straight line, or like we're seeing here kind of grabbing and going, I think like he's got a much tighter handle mm -hmm. than Salon. Maybe not as creative. Mm -hmm. Maybe he colors between the lines a lot more than Salon is willing to, but I feel more comfortable with the ball in his hands. You know, he doesn't have a lot of shake. He doesn't, you know, uh, there's not a lot of shift, but I, I don't get worried you know, like I'm in the passenger seat of a car and it's a yellow light. And I'm like, I don't really think that my friend who's driving should be trying to speed through this yellow. Cause I think there's a 18 wheeler coming um, like I do with salon. Uh, so I, I think the ancillary stuff, I feel a lot more confident 
mm. with mm. with Rishi Share. Hmm. Yeah, Corey. I think the point that you made about the handle is important. Where maybe we wouldn't even quantify his handle being better, but maybe we say it's different. Um, is maybe one way to put it. I, I'm not saying it, it is for sure, but maybe that's like how we're ultimately feeling about it, just because it it is safer, right? And also, like even his drives to the basket do feel a little bit safer. But also, Corey, like there is a thing with Risa Share where because he is also another guy who doesn't have a ton of vertical pop. Um, I do feel more confident when he's going to the rim, but also there are moments where it gets a little wonky um, because of the lack of vertical vertical pop. And there were moments I thought where like he would overextend himself trying to make something happen and try to get to the basket for a bucket. But at the same time, I would not say that he's anywhere near as bad as some of the stuff that we saw from Salon. It's just, I think it's still something that he's got to just continue to tighten up. Like, I don't think even Corey with what you're saying, I don't think either one of us are saying that we think he's an elite finisher at the rim. It's just, he's definitely a safer finisher than what we saw from salon is I think where I land at least. I think he makes way better choices. Mm. I I mean, like, so his percentages as a finisher, he's 72 and a half percent at the rim, 70.6% in the half court. Now, that is on 17 attempts in the half court. Hmm. So I don't know, like one a game, something like that, you know? Uh, So it's very low sample size. And I think it's because he's not forcing the issue. Like maybe salon would be willing to, Hmm. you know? Um, I think, you know, he's, he's more willing to make those kind of in between choices where he will pull up in the mid range and come off a curl off movement. Like he's not a big time, cutter but he does creative things to get himself open off of the ball to get himself looks and even if it doesn't result in him getting all the way to the rim in the half court he's still like you know i think doing positive things and and making defenses react with the way that he moves off of the ball and then you know when it comes to playmaking like i i buy the the connective aspect mm-hmm. of his game. Yeah. As Mr. Ray says, like the connectivity difference is pretty dramatic between yeah. the two prospects. And I agree. I think that there's a trustworthiness that I have in Rishishe versus salon. And it's not to say that Rishishe is like somebody who I'm like, this dude is a genius playmaker, mm-hmm. right? Like, um, but I think that he's a good enough processor, a quick enough processor and like I can envision him at the next level, like the ball swinging his way, and then he's making like quick second side reads where he's attacking and then uh, dishing to the weak side, or he's like getting uh, the ball reversed to to the wing, and he's now coming off like uh, a pick, quick pick and roll, and he's able to hit the roller or whatever, or he's flying off of you know like a floppy set and guys jump out at him and he's able to hit the roll there. Like I, I think he's going to be capable of that now at the same time, he has been way more of a play finisher than mm-hmm. a play creator in his role as well. But I, I definitely buy his ability to make the right play a little bit more or a lot more than I do with salon. Yeah, Corey, uh, I think you're definitely not saying you think he's some elite creator. I think he's another guy that more, turnovers and assists right if i if i didn't see that wrong so Mm -hmm. um definitely wouldn't say that he's an elite creator or anything like that but the the connective tissue stuff is definitely there 
uh, way more than what we saw from Salon. And uh, another thing with him that I like is um, I, I think, and you mentioned in passing before, but I think he's a really good cutter, dude. Uh, I think he's a really good cutter, really good off-ball mover where he he creates opportunities for himself to get open and to get cleaner looks. And um, one thing that I wanted to throw in there with his finishing, he doesn't go to it often, but I think he's a pretty good left-hand finisher too um, in, in some of the limited stuff that I saw. And um, also some nice, like, crafty, savvy, high-off-the-backboard layups um that you know show off you know some of that touch with him where you know sometimes with him not being an elite athlete and not being the strongest guy he's still kind of pretty slight in frame but some of the really high off the backboard stuff was nice to see and was a nice little wrinkle to some of his uh at rim finishing so um i'm with you Corey. i, I think he's good I think, you know, offensively, at least he's going to have a lot to offer. And that's why, because we're more sure about his offensive game than Salon, that's why he ends up in the top five for a lot of people on their boards, considering the size and all that. And also, Corey, I really do agree. Like, he definitely looked taller to me than 6'8 in person. But who knows? I mean, we'll see at the combine what all that turns out to be. But it just... um you feel more confident in his outlook than a guy like Salon because of the more foundational skills that he has. Yeah, and then I buy him d- defensively more. Oh yeah. Big time. At this moment than I, I do with Salon. Right. Like I, I think that um, he's been really impressive mm-hmm. defensively. And like, I think that, cause it's weird. Cause in, in person I was like, you know, he's like a really good mover, but like also he's, he moves a little funky. And again, that could just be like, age and growing into your body but he's looks like much more fluid on that end um something that i really love is like he's able to get skinny over screens Mm -hmm. you know like and at his length like being able to like fight over screens and and be slithery like that i i think is is really impressive um he's he, and then like when he goes over and trails the screen, like he's, he's able to guard from behind mm-hmm. and, you know, kind of use his length to like at least bother shooters. Uh, I think he moves really well laterally. Yes. He, smart defender, like active hands. Um, I obviously he needs to get stronger. goes without saying. Right. But like plays hard fights, like very nuanced game. And um yeah, I think that that two-way ability that he has now, like, I'm not saying that he's going to be, you know, a defensive player of the year candidate and all defense team candidate. Like, I don't necessarily feel that way, but like, I think that he's going to have real two-way ability. Um, and it's, that's the kind of thing that's going to get you on the floor early and, you know, earn the trust. Like his game on both sides of the ball is, you know, um, he's effective mm-hmm. in, in, in a really simple way. And obviously defense is, is not simple. Defense is very complex, especially NBA defense, but I think he has those complexities to, and the nuance to his defensive game. And then the offense is so simple that uh, I think he's the type of guy that will get on the floor early, you know, and obviously he's going to go to a team that uh, is not very talented. So he, he should be playing a ton. And, um, but he's, uh, he's been impressive as a two way guy. I mean, Corey, I feel like you cover, almost covered everything on the defensive side of the ball with him. Um, and to uh, wanted to give a shout out to Metcalf too, who wrote a great piece about Risa Sher and his game and you know what he's been showing defensively. Because like some of the on ball stuff with him has been awesome. 
And you mentioned it, right? He's a really good lateral mover, can flip his hips, a guy that can really fight to stay in front of his man too, even with, you know, his slider frame right now. It's just big time, right? Just because of how he moves laterally. It's so exciting. And he's got his size and he's got his length. But as he adds his strength, his grown man's strength, you can't help but wonder how disruptive of a defender he could eventually become, even more so than what he is now, right? So if you consider all of the, like, so ultimately, Corey, we just have less question marks about him than we did a guy like Salon. And if you have less question marks, especially on the defensive side, he has way less question marks than I I think Salon does. Um, You can't help but be excited, and that's why he's higher on the board. But with with researcher for for sure, like, the on-ball stuff was really interesting to me. And I think off-ball stuff, too. Like, he just knew where to be, did a good job of, you know, being a good team defender as well. So um, I I feel like you covered everything, but it is what it is. Like, he's just – the less question marks he has, the higher you're going to be. So uh, right there with you. Yeah. Um, he's, he's going to be a guy that I, you know, I think is steadily, uh, in the top five conversation for the rest of this draft cycle. Um, okay. So if you're buying stock in Zachary Richer, who may you have bought stock in previously? We've had some good ones in the, in the comments. Yo, I actually can't see the comments right now. I don't know what's wrong with my thing, but we've got um, a uh, a Josh Eustace. Uh, we've got Keegan Murray. Mm. Uh, we've got fun Patrick Baldwin. Mm. Tevin, uh, a taller Evan Fournier. French, yeah. And someone brought up um, what was the name? Trey Murphy Os- before. We got Jetty Osmond. Mm. Mm. So I'm kind of along those lines, Corey. Um, I thought of taller Rudy Fernandez uh, was one that I thought of. If you think about how he played for the Portland Trailblazers back in late 2000s, right? I think we're talking late 2000s-ish. Um, oh, like a taller. Uh, I mean, early to, I, How do you? Because he played early in the, the late aughts. I, 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 I never know how you, 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 you talk about that. Yeah. That. Uh, the early 2000s and contextually. Yeah, I know what you mean. But um, anyway, Rudy Fernandez was one name that came to mind. Cam Johnson, maybe a little bit. I don't know. Um, was another guy that came to mind. Bigger wing. Um, Johnson came in a lot older. But a guy who's going to shoot it from outside, compete for you defensively. A guy who's going to be a very valuable wing um, as like a play finisher type of guy as well. Um, so, yeah, I thought of taller, taller Rudy Fernandez. Obviously less athletic than Rudy was. But kind of similar energies I thought and uh, maybe a little Cam Johnson. I like those. Um I got uh maybe a little Nikola Miritich hmm. who uh Barcelona you know, legend. Was, yeah. Bobby uh, Porter's f- favorite dude. <laughs> <laughs> um who I think that was the season that Bobby Portis punched Miritich. Yeah. He was out for a while. The Bulls were terrible. They were going to be in position to get into the top of that draft in a real tangible way. And then Miritich came back and went on an absolutely insane so heater. Yeah. And the Bulls ended up at the seventh pick and drafted Wendell Carter Jr. Um, instead of drafting, being in position to draft Luka Doncic. But ultimately, it probably wouldn't have mattered because all the rumors were that the front office liked Marvin Bagley anyway. So a <laughs> little off off-topic tangent there from uh, my recollection of the real GM experience at that time. 
Uh, also, there's, you know, a little bit of Franz Wagner. Mm. Mm. Little Franz, you know, like maybe not, maybe hasn't shown as much on ball stuff. But at the same time, like there were a lot of question marks about Franz. Like people yes. forget um, that like Franz wasn't, like he was the safe pick in that he he was a guy who had that high floor, but didn't, he wasn't thought of to have that high ceiling. And that's why, you know, the Warriors took Jonathan Kaminga over him and mm-hmm. he went where he did, you know, like because people thought he was just very safe, but because he had that really terrible, like what was just like 0 for 11 in his last college game, mm-hmm. you know, people were like very iffy on anything beyond that. So I don't know, like maybe there is an outcome where he turns into like some kind of version of, you know, what Franz is, you know, maybe, maybe not. I mean, Franz is amazing. So probably not, you know, it's a high bar, but like, you know, you could see it yeah. a little more on ball reps at the next level. And there's an outcome. And it's funny, Corey, cause we loved Franz and we still didn't see this coming. Um, yeah, no. we were, but I, I still remember doing his pod and we, praised him for like an hour and we really really liked his game we thought he was built for the modern nba we thought he was going to be a really good complimentary player and a guy that i think both of us were like if you take him in the lottery no problem was how both of us felt and um and yet neither one of us i think saw this coming so no um maybe it's the same thing with recess share right where both of us you know we have him top five because of this class Right. And we see him as like a really good play finisher, shooting from outside, defensive guy. And then maybe he gets to the league and he blossoms even more into maybe a Franz type. It, it can definitely happen because we definitely didn't see it with Franz and look at what he's become. So maybe the same can happen here. Yeah. Right situation, right development plan, right yeah. opportunities. Um, so we'll see. You know, I mean, looking at the top of the draft, uh, you know, there are some, I don't know how many teams I'd be stoked outside of like San Antonio, mm. you know, <laughs> like, like even Portland who I, I think if Portland were able to draft him, like they have a great young core, but they also have a thousand six foot nine yeah. wings. Um, so maybe they just, you know, kind of give him the keys for that role because, you know, he'd be a high pick, but you, there's no guarantee of that. Right. Um, I kind of like him next to Brandon Miller. Yeah. In Charlotte. I think that'd be fun. Um, the wizards would be, I mean, I, I like him next to Kula Bali, but I, I guess it depends what happens with Kuzma and Jordan pool and Poole. that mess. The Pistons would be a really good mm. fit too. Mm. Um, so he's, I mean, he's a guy that you could just kind of throw anywhere and it works, right? He'd look good next to Scotty Barnes. Yeah. Wow. In Toronto. Him, Asar, Cade, pretty interesting. Yeah. Oof, yeah. And if the shooting's real, mm-hmm. then that becomes, you know, Shit. then that becomes really interesting because they really? need somebody where the shooting's going to be real. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They need it. Mm-hmm. And then if he just plays defense like this and better with Asar, good lord. Yeah. Fun. All right. Again, it is that time, Albert. I need you to uh-huh. sell me this pen on Zachary Richesher. I don't think I've ever done a two-for-one like this uh, in terms of selling pens. And also, I haven't sold pens in a while. So this feels incredible 
but also feels really sudden. But um, when it comes to Zachary Reese's share, we're talking about a guy who um, has like great NBA jumbo wing size, a guy who could, has shown this season that he can really shoot the ball, a guy who we believe um, may be able to show more with the ball in his hands next season, pretty good passer, nothing special or elite about his passing, but good connective tissue to him. Um, obviously on the defensive side of the ball, we like what we've seen on ball, off ball, team defense, all that stuff. So if you're looking for a two-way wing with really good size that we believe is going to be able to add, you know, a good amount of muscle as well, um, who maybe one day becomes like a number one, number two option, even if all the cards fall right and, you know, the 1% outcome happens, who knows what he could eventually be. And, you know, we obviously talked about even a guy like Franz Wagner as an example, but Risa Share is a really interesting prospect because of his baseline foundation uh, and the skill set that he has with also the ceiling or maybe lack of ceiling in terms of what he can become so a really interesting two-way wing that you should feel pretty good about if you take him in the top five in the upcoming 2024 nba draft yeah 100 percent uh one of the safest players i think in looking like one of the safest players in the draft looks like a whole new player coming out of what was a, a rough summer and you know the fact that he turned it around is a, a tip of the cap to him uh, Albert, I just <laughs> want to update you on Dalton Connect, who just had another 31-point game. Yeah, yeah, he's good at those 30-point games, man. <laughs> that dude is hooping. Yeah, insane. Yeah. What do we he compare is. this to? Uh, Doug McDermott? Tough. I don't know, dude. <laughs> this is crazy. Uh, he's like bouncier... Worse handle Devin Booker. Mm. Older. Bouncier, worse handle Devin. Wow. Okay. But no, I was just thinking of like, uh, you know, like old prospects were getting buckets. Exactly. Yeah. You know, Buddy Heald, right? In Oklahoma, his last season. Yeah. One of those seasons. But it's a little, it's hard to make a comparison because he's doing it in his first season where he transfers up. Yeah. True. To a high major. Good so, for him. yeah. Very cool. Very cool Another guy who will get drafted pretty high. Agreed. All right. Um, guys, thank you for watching live. Uh, shout out to everybody in the chat. Again, if you have not yet, please subscribe to No Ceilings uh, YouTube channel. We just crossed 6,000 subscribers. We would love to be at 10 before the draft. So uh, if you have not yet, make sure you subscribe, share it, like uh, the video, smash that like button if you are in the chat watching live. And uh, we appreciate everybody participating in the chat, watching all the support. As always, make sure that you tap into noceilingsmba.com uh, for a bunch of free content uh, Monday through Friday delivered directly to your inbox. Albert is writing about Keyshawn George this week, which uh, I'm really looking forward to reading because I'm a big fan uh, of his game and the potential that he has. And I think he's a kind of wild card prospect that could shake up the draft or he could return and, you know, kind of hone in on some stuff and maybe be, you know, a top five guy next year. I don't know that there's no way of knowing in the draft world. Um, but I'm excited to read that. So Albert, tell the people where they can find you outside of no ceilings yeah, you can find me uh, at Alberto Gim on Twitter. Uh, you can find me at GTGNBA uh, on Instagram. Um, I, as always, uh, 
this hoodie from a bit new york kevin park www.abitnyc.com also can find him on instagram at abit.nyc if you're interested in he just had a new drop uh this weekend and uh, he's because he continues to pump out awesome clothing so if you're interested in any of that go check him out and uh yeah that's it for me yeah and so definitely do that and also if you you know you guys got companies out there and you want to send us some free stuff uh get in get in touch and you know we will definitely do our wayne's world um pitch for sure we are uh we're willing to sell out so uh you can find me at Corey teleba on twitter at nba draft dude elsewhere and uh again we appreciate everybody rocking with us live and until next time where we break down a more nba draft prospects we are out peace Peace.